Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only Cardinal podcast more forgettable than Tommy Edmond on a gold glove ballot. My name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Samorco. Hi, everybody. And this week, we are talking about Nolan Arenado, gold gloves, the World Series, and some news and notes from around the league. If you have an idea for an opening joke, tweet us at Talk About Birds. Ben, we did it. It, it. We're out of spooky season. Yeah, we're into November. I I can finally get a good night's rest. Well, you say that spooky season ends, and then what does that signify generally? Is the end of baseball? So you get a couple more days to not be spooked, and then you know that kind of overwhelming void and darkness kind of takes over so you know you have that to look forward to that's a good point but (laughs) i guess i embrace the darkness and i feel most comfortable in the void so i just got to get all these spooky skeletons away from me (laughs) um funny (laughs) to hear you say that because i know for a fact that you have a skeleton on your front porch year round so (laughs) i don't believe you it's not year uh, round are you sure about that his name is Jojo and he's and he lives in our basement. Yeah. And he often sits at my drum set because it's very fun. Oh, okay. Yeah. I actually this year, uh, are you a <laughs> are you a spooky movie guy? Do you like do you like the the scary spooky scaries? You, I feel Yes. Yes. Why are you so offended? I like Yes, I yes, I'm very in, I, I would con- consider myself a horror fan. I seek it out. Okay. I go see it in theaters. I have my hard drive full of horror movies. I've made a commitment to watch a bunch of horror movies this October. I, I feel like I'm I'm talking to somebody I've never met before. So I, I'm a little offended <laughs> by the I characterization. Supposed, how am I supposed to know any of this? Um. All right. Fair enough. I mean, I guess I talk to you. You just don't listen is the problem. And I, that, that's yeah. fine. Well, I guess it doesn't buddy. hurt my feelings. Yeah, that's fine. Well, I watch. Yes, I like I'm, horror I'm, movies. Okay. Um, I also don't want to hear any more about what you store on your hard drives. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm normally not because I, I don't know. There's just never been a genre that I prefer. But this year, I've I've been digging in a little bit. It, wow. Molly loves it. Molly loves yeah. it, and. And I, I will say that I am a like a suspense and thriller fan, but I don't sure. really care about like horror, if that makes sense. Right. Uh, um, sure. So th- there's a line there. And um, I don't know. I've been enjoying it. I saw the black phone a couple days ago. Yeah. 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 It was fine. Um, I saw Barbarian, though, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, Barbarian's great. I I enjoyed Black Phone. I saw that, and I saw both in theaters. Wow! Um, and I, I like them both. I thought they were both yeah. fun. I think Barbarian is might might be, hmm, might. Uh, so it's Oscar season. I, I don't want to. I don't want to play my hand too much because there's some movies that are out right now in theaters or are coming out very soon. 
that I think are probably going to take this place. But to date, I think Barbarian is probably my favorite movie of 2022. I thought it was just like an mm. absolute blast the whole time. So much fun. I don't want to talk about it because it is the most spoilable movie of all time. Absolutely. Um, but I absolutely loved it. I thought, I, yeah, I just thought it was so much fun. I laughed. I cried. I jumped. Um, it, it was so much fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I I still like. It's not my favorite movie. I don't know what my favorite movie of 2023 or 2022 would be yet. I would not call it that. But when it comes to like scary movies, what Barbarian is doing is way more what I like than what like, I don't know, your traditional horror movies. Yeah. Well, I would also probably say this has been kind of a weak year, Um, although I think the menu looks really good. I think Triangle of Sadness looks really good. Um, there's that weird, uh, ominous movie with Kate Blanchett being an orchestrator or, an, uh, uh, orchestra, yes. uh what, what do you call it? A, uh, uh conductor. Oh my God. Conductor, <laughs> <laughs> conductor that looks interesting. Um, there's that new Martin McDonough movie that looks really good. So I think that the Oscar season, I mean, my dear boy, Oscar season is upon us. <laughs> Why it's, 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 it's begun. Yes, it has. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to that, but yeah, no, I feel, think I feel confident saying that, um, the uh, I thought the Marvel movie, we, we don't really need to get into this, but the Marvel <laughs> movies have been bad this year is, is my general yeah. opinion. I haven't seen Wakanda yet, but uh, that's my two cents. Yeah, that's a that's a further more complicated discussion because you and I are both big Marvel fans. But uh, is it starting to finally run out? I don't know. How long can your genre be the most popular genre in the universe? Uh, it feels like yep. maybe 15 years <laughs> for yep. Marvel is uh, maybe when it starts to die out a little bit. I don't know. But, and um, if Thor and Taika Waititi can't hit a home run, um, look at that, bringing it back to baseball ever so slightly, wow. then I don't know who can because they are good and funny and um, yeah. good. Yeah, uh, good and funny and good. Hey, if you like this, we have uh, <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a lot. You know, we've still got baseball to talk about right now, but who knows what this offseason might bring. So if you've got uh, if you want to hear other takes, let us know. Um, I, I definitely think spoiler alert. I definitely think a baseball movie episode is going to be coming. So yeah. if you have any thoughts about I would be curious. Uh, we'll probably talk about this in the bird scored. But if you have any uh, like hot takes on baseball movies, tweet at us at talk about birds on Twitter. Yeah, I actually haven't seen all of the big ones that everyone always talks about. So maybe that's something we can do with the show is we'll do sort of like a, um, you know, watch along thing. We could talk about yep. the movies. Like I've never seen Bull Durham, you know, and oh, I know that well, you're stupid, yeah, right? I, well, yeah, this, this is just one, one little check mark yeah. in that box. But, yeah. um, but I mean, I, I watched again for the like 10 millionth time in my, in my history, the Sandlot. And we talked about that yeah. recently. So, yeah. Um, did you see the movie freaky? No. So I watched three horror movies in the last couple of weeks, black phone barbarian yeah. and a movie called freaky, which is the one that is a freaky Friday situation, but Vince Vaughn and a high school girl. Oh <laughs> man, that looked so bad. He, he's yeah. He, and Vince Vaughn is a serial killer, right? Yeah. Vince Vaughn yeah. is a hulking serial killer. Like mm-hmm. just, like Michael Straight Myers up. type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a slasher more than a horror film. And then he, right. he Freaky Fridays with like a teenage, uh, like, you know, yeah, yeah. outcast girl. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's stupid. It <laughs> looks um, god awful. 
if you like, I, I've always liked Vince Vaughn, you know, and I will say that he does a really good job and that I really enjoyed Vince Vaughn. And I think that if it was anyone other than just sort of an older fading comedian celebrity, then the movie would have just been awful end to end. But if you kind of like that weird, just like watching a celebrity that, you know, do something very, very wacky, like pretend to be a teenager. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's kind of fun. So anyway, sure. yeah, let's talk about, I guess let's Re talk about, yeah, wait, it, well, yeah. I just want one quick little anecdote. I, so I, I try to pack as many scary movies as I can in during this, this season. And I recently had two, four and a half hour flights. So I was, I watched three movie, uh, three horror movies. Um, and mostly went unscathed and that they weren't hyper bloody or hyper uh, sexual. But the first one I watched was the movie Men, uh, which is from the same director that brought us. Um, uh, oh, my God, the movie just totally it, it, where Dom Hall Gleason and uh, they're in the woods and there's a bunch of animatrons and they're running around naked the whole time. Blair Witch. Uh, ex, ex Machina. <laughs> um, and that the movie close. was. The movie was good. It was called Men. And the last like 25 minutes, there's a set piece. And all it is is nudity and violence <laughs> and blood and like live birth. Uh, and I was watching it on a 14 inch MacBook Pro. <laughs> so like everyone could see it in full and you're HD. Feeling and clapping. Oh. And, you know. Yeah. But, but I'm all, I'm so committed to the movie. I'm not going to stop it. So I just keep watching it and like. Uh, anyways, so of course you lean in, unplug your headphones, turn up the volume. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, how about this? Speaking of men, yeah, let's talk about one of our favorite men, Nolan Arenado. Yes. he is a uh, is now uh, our our like undercurrent of stress for basically since the day the Cardinals acquired Nolan Arenado. Yeah. Done. Uh, he uh, rather surprisingly opted into the contract as it was. As it was, no yeah. changes. Um, no changes. Which no notes. Th this no notes. This podcast is obviously shocked on. I think we pretty much came to an agreement that we thought that he was going to stick around, but there was going to be some type of restructuring. I think yeah. we even maybe said two years, twenty five million on top of that fifteen million, like erase that 15 million final deal and add another 50 uh, over two. So we, we were kind of chit chatting around something like that. And I thought that that made a lot of sense. Why wouldn't he want more time? Why wouldn't he want more year? He has all the leverage, but like you said, our, our uh, Katie Wu told us that he is opting in and he didn't even, he didn't even take his five days after the world series. He has made it official. He's told the club, the club has made a press announcement. It's happening. It's done. Um, yeah, it's done. And I mean, I, I think I have like 7,000 questions surrounding this. <laughs> um, like my first question is why? Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, I know he just did an interview with the athletic today, which I have yet to read, but so maybe he covers this a little bit, but I still like, I, I, I yeah. would be hard or I'd be surprised to learn that he acknowledged the fact that he left money on the table. And I think that. The only Nolan is not stupid, of course. Uh, well, maybe he is, but not when it comes to things like this. He pays people to be smart for him. So I, I think he has to know to some degree that he's leaving money on the table. So I guess what I'm trying to get at is it once you've signed a $260 million contract for eight years, is money less of a factor? 
Is he doing this so that the Cardinals can try to be more competitive for a longer time so that they can augment the existing um, um, roster? Like, what do you think the motivation for him to sign this? Since I think the general thought is that he could have done more, even if it was the Cardinals, even before the time frame that, you know, was set in place by yeah. the rules of the World Series and everything like that. Yeah, there's a lot to to unpack here. And, you know, I'd just say, first of all, like, uh, you know, completely shocked as well that he just straight up opted in. I'm very, very excited about it and very, very happy. And I appreciate him doing it so quickly. Yeah. Like, how nice is that? We don't have to sweat at all. But um, as to why, you know, he did make a uh, I haven't had a chance to see the athletic piece either, but he did do some um, interview with Derek Gould or at least a little bit where he basically said the team went out and made such a huge commitment to me. I wanted to honor that commitment to them. And I thought it was really funny too, because I guess outside of the money element, when he says like the team went out and made a huge commitment to me, it makes you think like we, Oh man, we must've really traded. Like this must've been an insane tra trade package. And like iron out, I was like, I can't believe they gave up so much for me when in reality, it's been one of the most like, lamb blasted trades in <laughs> yeah. like recent memory that people are just pissed that the Cardinals basically got them for free and the Rockies are continuing to pay the Cardinals part of this. But um, I, I think, so, you know, what do we know? We know that he has said all along that he wants to be a Cardinal. We know right. that he, that he wanted to be a Cardinal even before he was a Cardinal. And we know that he met with uh, Mazalak and crew before making this decision and right. they discussed the long-term plans of the, of the Cardinals. And I do think I get the sense, at least on the early reporting that he's the type of guy who, you know, signs a contract for a reason. And while he may have been leaving money on the table, he feels some sort of debt to the contract that he signed, yeah. which is a noble cause. It's not how most people do it these days. And I don't ever judge anyone for, for taking the opt outs and whatnot in their contracts that are there. But if you remember, it was the Rockies who put those opt outs in. he didn't even want them or well, there was only or one. There was only one. Yeah. And so you get the sense from this and other comments that he's the type of guy that is, you know, loyalty and commitment mean a lot to him. And so he obviously obviously feels some sort of debt or some sort of obligation to honor the contract as it is. This has happened recently with the Cardinals too. Um, remember John Lackey's contract yeah. where uh, he, if he performed at a certain level, it would trigger it was, a league minimum extra. No, no, no. It was if he lost a year due to injury, which he did, I think he had a shoulder right. or an elbow injury, which made him lose a year, which tacked on a final year of the contract. Um, he had already triggered that when the Cardinals traded for him, but there was thoughts that he would basically be like, I retire or, you know, they, they, there's always a yeah. way around that kind of thing. But like you're saying, no, he was like, yeah, no, that's in the contract. I signed that. I signed Cardinals it. want me. I'm here. Yeah. Which was, so I think an underrated move by Mo just to go back on that yeah. really quick. Like that, that's that was a, a brilliant yeah. play. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I think that's probably a lot of it. It's just that, you know, he's one of those dudes. He's got more money than he'll ever need. And instead of 
entering into some sort of contract negotiation, which we all know probably would have ended positive, positively for him and for the Cardinals. He just is like, well, I already got a contract. I'm already yeah. uh, a mega, you know, mega rich person. I'm only 30 <laughs> years old or 31 or whatever. And so I don't need to go through all that. I'll just opt in with the team I like with the with the contract that I signed in the first place. I, yeah. I do I do think there is a piece to it because of meeting with Mo, I bet there is an element of increasing flexibility for the St. Louis Cardinals because we know like he uh, above I mean all these guys are uber insane competitors, right? Like you don't make it to the majors if you're not unless you're Colby Rasmus, but um <laughs> Like he seems above everyone that we've like really ever had on the team. Yeah, I think it's like him and Yachty or Molina are kind of in a class of their own. And there have been people across different leagues. It happened in basketball. Um, I think you could argue that's kind of what Bryce Harper did with the Phillies, like who are willing to take a lower AAV if it means that there's a commitment from the or to spend that money on other competitive pieces. Because ultimately, yeah, you know, for him, I bet the difference between 260 lifetime earnings and 300 lifetime earnings is not as valuable as a World Series title or 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 like a legitimate shot at a World Series title. Right. So I think you can't you can't you you, you can have four hundred million dollars in the world. You can't buy a ring. You know what I mean? You got to. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think ultimately that's it, you know, And, and I think there is you know, where this goes is what do the Cardinals do with that money? And now like this new window of, of extending Arenado, you know, we, we assume that like, I guess the aging curve for Arenado is something interesting to talk about. I, we haven't had a player under contract to this late in their career since, um, other than like the, the very recent Yachty who holes and Wayno, like I'm thinking Matt holiday, I guess is, the last one that we like extended into their late thirties, you know? So I mean, Paul um, Goldschmidt is going to be 35 next year. Right. But he only has, he'll be done after the year after that. Right. So I don't know. I guess I feel like there's a difference between like ending 38 and ending 36, you know? Yeah. Um, But you're right. I mean, it's not a, it's not a significant difference, but um, it'll be either way. We will see it. You know, we will see how Arenado will age. And I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, Yeah, I think, you know, you said something in there of like he likes it here, um, which is probably weighs more than it would for most players just because he was he grew up in an organization that he really liked and just wouldn't compete and got alienated from. And I think he knows exactly how bad it can be. Um, And I'm not saying that St. Louis is the best place to play in the world. But if you go to free agency and let's say something like Freddie Freeman situation happens where I think I think if you gave Freddie truth serum, he would have bet his salary that he was going to be back with the Braves. They were just going to figure it out. But they trade for Matt Olson. They extend him. Freddie's now in L.A. I'm sure he's fine. But it's just you just don't know what's going to happen in free agency. And there are big fish in the pond this year. And he would have been one of the largest ones. But when there are Aaron Judges and Trey Turner's and Carlos Correa's and stuff like uh, guys like that, who knows? Like maybe those teams that you would desire to go, they go with Trey Turner and they can't afford a Nolan Arenado. And then you're stuck there, you know, I don't know with the Marlins or (laughs) some team, some franchise that you would say isn't committed to winning. So I think you're, you're right on with that. Um, 
And I also want to take a second to kind of get into the nitty gritty of, of like what this means. Um, I think we may have said these numbers, but I want to go over them specifically. Um, so he has in a remaining five years with the Cardinals um, starting next year, 144 million bucks um, will be owed to him. Now, where it gets really interesting is that 31.5 million of that 144 is paid by the Rockies, which is <laughs> what really pushes this deal over to being one of the worst, most one-sided deals I, I think you can remember. Um, and the way that that shakes out is he uh, $16 million of his salary next year, which is like a little over 30. It kind of tears down as it as it goes on. $16 million bucks uh, will be paid by the Rockies next season. And then for each year from 24 to 2026, $5 million. So not only are we getting Nolan Arenado for another five years, um, but he is at a discounted. You, you could say he's at a team friendly rate just at five years, 144, but that is made even more team friendly by the subsidizing of the salary via the Rockies. And I think it's important to note that going into next year, he will be the Rockies second highest paid player under Chris Bryant. <laughs> um, and that's just me wanting to be mean to the Rockies because it feels good because uh, the Rockies are so poorly ran and I live in Colorado, but well, I we can know. see that Rockies pennant you have on the wall behind you. So. <laughs> I don't think there is one. Um, there might be. I don't know. I'm not going to turn is around because you're not going to make me look. There is. Um, so, like, you know, the, the reason I think that that is important to bring up is not, not just because LOL Rockies, but it, it brings you back to that flexibility. That means that you have Nolan for this time and you get, I mean, $16 million paid by the Rockies. That is Adam Wainwright's salary this year. So you're basically getting yeah. a free starting pitcher um, is, I think, a kind of a fun way to look at that. Um, and I think you're right on. Like, how are the Cardinals going to flex that might? Are they going to commit? Is it going to be this year? What is that going to look like? I mean, all all reasonable questions. Well, there's something really interesting happening right now that is just so primed and ready for us to get excited about an off season, which happens every year. And then ultimately is generally <laughs> not the, not as exciting as we want, except for like trading for Arenado or whatever. But so Arenado's contract is locked in. Like you said, especially next year, a lot of it is paid for Adam Wainwright's new contract. He has deferred $10 million yeah. of that. Yet a lot of money coming off the books from other guys retiring um, or just contracts ending. And the Cardinals said in the presser last week that they expect payroll to go up. So where is that money going? Because they're coming in already below what they were last year. And with essentially the core roster locked up and arbitration is going to happen but there's no case in there that's going to add a sudden, you know, 10, 15 million dollars. No. Well, unfortunately, all the arb eligible players for the Cardinals had either bad or injured years last injured year, which years, is right. Uh, annoying, but for this conversation, good. So it seems to me like the Cardinals have cap space of somewhere from like 25 to 40 million more dollars a year, yeah. depending on what they are, what they mean when they say payroll is going up. Yeah. Uh, if they mean it's going up from where it is right now, well then, okay. Well, it could mean, it could be, it could be nothing. Right. Yeah. 
Um, but if it means it's going up in the broader context to like the peaks that it's hit over the last few years, then you would assume that means that there's a pretty large chunk available to go somewhere. Yeah. And so I don't know. I mean, then you start to speculate like if that's the case, well, the only real thing that makes sense for the Cardinals to do is to like, it's the same problem they've always had, which is like the only upgrades are elite level players. Um, But I don't know. Is that what's happening? Are we being primed for the Cardinals to actually make a splash in free agency or are they just going to leave that flexibility to go and acquire someone at the right time via trade or whatever? And I think I think what it's going to be is they're more going to augment the uh, roster in multiple ways rather than make a big splash. Because like you said, it is hard to upgrade this team because of the perennial problem that you're hinting at where it's like it's all they're all there's no obvious holes. There's just maybe some places that could be improved so that I think you you take a step back and you look at what are the Cardinals biggest problems. They don't strike people out. They don't have a real catcher and our outfield wasn't healthy at all. And that is kind of how I would tear it out. I would get some strikeouts, whether it be in the bullpen or the starting rotation. Like, do you go get, I, I don't even know off the top of my head, uh, not Kinley Jansen, I'm Tommy Kinley, well, Corey Ed, Edwin Edwin Diaz is technically a free agent and he's only 28 years old. I know the Mets have said they are prioritizing retaining him and they have more money yeah. than anyone, but. Edwin Diaz is really good, but I really don't want the Cardinals to back up the Brinks truck for a closer, especially when you have Ryan Helsley. Um, But I wouldn't mind like some some names below that. Like if you gave me a couple of high strikeout guys in the bullpen, I think that that would be really exciting. We've talked at length about some of the starters. I think that would be a great place to augment as well, especially if you're comfortable putting Nats in the bullpen, which I don't see any reason they shouldn't. but then there, you know, there are names. We, we've talked endlessly about catcher. We've talked a little bit about, uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely team get Sean Murphy or Christian Vasquez, but preferably Sean Murphy. Um, and then there are interesting players out there like, I don't know, uh, Stephen Piscotti. <laughs> no, I'm just an interesting I was, player. <laughs> I just wanted to see your reaction to that. Um, but no, I mean, I think Brandon Nemo is interesting. Mitch Hanniger could probably be got for the, not that much money. Uh, Trey Mancini is an okay bat, not really a great outfielder, but I do think some thump is probably what the Cardinals are looking for, especially like I I think the Cardinals believe in Tyler O'Neill and I believe in Tyler O'Neill, but I think having somebody even, you know, more particularly from the left side that could start in the outfield and DH would be a huge help to the team. Um, But yeah, I am I always you, ready to be underwhelmed by their offseason. I know, I know. that's that's why I'm I'm trying not to get too excited, right? Because all signs point to the Cardinals being prepped to make a splash, but they they are the most conservative team like in the league when it comes to free agency. Like the last biggest free agent signing was Dexter Fowler, and that went horribly. So like just so um, bad, yeah. That just didn't um, and then Mike know. Leak before that, like they yeah. keep giving these like $80 million contracts to mid-level players. Yeah. And um, so, oh, I, you know, a name, to- sorry, a name that I was thinking about the other day that I think uh, would be really interesting and a lot of fun um, for the Cardinals is go give Jock Peterson a two year deal at, you know, 30 million or something yeah. like that. A lot of people were calling for that last year, too. And he went on, he got injured, um, with the giants, but he had a pretty solid year and he is, he is a, uh, a platoon guy fully, but he hits bombs 
he is silly. Um, and I think he'd look yeah. great in right field sometimes and DHing sometimes. I think it makes a lot of sense. So I think what the team is missing, Ben, is a is fire and a competitive spirit and um someone Aaron who just Judge. really no, no, oh, okay. Even more. Someone who knows, you know, oh, what fights. Tommy Pham. Tommy That's <laughs> right. Yep. Tommy Pham. <laughs> you know, they know what fights are worth fighting. Yeah. And they know how to handle themselves in a stressful situation. What so. from a, a one to ten, what level of shock would you be if Tommy Pham comes back to the Cardinals? Twelve. Twelve. Yeah, no, <laughs> no chance. There's no chance. There's no chance. It, it, the Tommy Pham revenge tour will not be making a stop <laughs> as a member of the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, what, what do you think? What do you think about Mitch Haniger while we're talking about fiery outfielders? Is that a good? Is that a good move? He's 31. He had a down year last year. He's been injured, but could be. Yeah, I, I don't know. He hit 39 home runs in 21. Injury prone is a, is a sticky label, you know, and, and cause you're, you're basically injury prone until you're not, and you can't yeah. really predict when that not phase is going to happen. And 31 is not that old. I, I just, it's the same thing I have, same problem I have with all of these like outfielders that you've suggested. I think like there's a possibility that one of them is the right fit and it clicks and Jock Peterson, I think I like the most out of all of these options that you've thrown out. Um, side note, the Mets have stated that two of their priorities are re-signing Edwin Diaz and Brandon Nemo. So unlikely yeah. Nemo gets out of New York, but, um, I, I don't know of all the places that I'm ready for the, that I'm okay with the Cardinals sort of like rolling with it as it is, is actually the outfield because I also really think Jordan Walker will be a part of that outfield in 2023. And yeah. I just want him to get in the bigs as quickly as possible. And I'm not ready to replace O'Neill yet. And yeah. I understand you're talking more platoon and more like just other options, but if you're going out and you're signing any of those guys, like they're not signed to be fourth outfielders. I mean, maybe Peterson, you could argue would be some sort of rotation between DH and outfield, but like the starting outfield on opening day is going to be O'Neill Carlson. And then you know, a rotation of either Burleson, Yepes, or even yeah. possibly Walker. And I really liked this, uh, the underlying profile that we were starting to see from Burleson. We say Yepes and also Jordan Walker. You know, sure. There's not much that more that needs to be said. So like all you're doing is adding another like fringe in there and maybe that's worth it. Just keep rolling the dice. You know, yeah. we, we didn't expect to need Corey Dickerson this year and we didn't until he was great. And it was he really did. Yeah. He, he hit got 10 hits in a row and will, he will forever have that. And we will forever have that, you yeah. know, but um, we also didn't have Burleson. Yepes was hurt and Walker yeah. wasn't ready. So like those are three options that weren't really in play for the majority of 2022 that I'm ready to just see. So like, yeah. I get it. Um, but I would much rather that money go towards, like you said, like, some high strikeout relievers would be great because we know that after Helsley and Gallegos, there's a ton of talent, but it was constantly inconsistent. Like is, yeah. is, is Henesis coming back or is he just done? Right. And he was like our setup man going into right. 2022. So a couple high end relievers or a Carlos Rodon or something like that. I think it just makes more sense than, yeah continuing to pile into the outfield because there's going to be a whole new crop of prospects coming up too. You know? Right. So the one, one we can move on, but I do want to throw out one other name. Cause I just, I think that this guy is really, he just looks 
cardinally to me. And I, I just think that he is going to be a part of the conversation. Um, Dansby Swanson. We've been talking about it a little bit in yeah. the bird scored. I think that we're going to have a winter of Dansby Swanson being associated with the Cardinals. Um, and then, you know, you move Tommy back to second. Brendan Donovan wins another gold glove playing utility all over the place. And, you know, you let it ride. Obviously, there are complications yeah. with that Mason win, yada, yada, yada. But just somebody else I wanted to throw out before we kind of moved on. Yeah, I, I'm more in favor of blocking Mason Wynn right now than I am in favor of blocking Jordan Walker. I get the sense that, you know, Walker is being is the the um, as far as ready for the majors. It seems to me that like Walker's like early 2023 win is like late 2023, if not 2024, even though they've basically followed the exact same path through the minors. Yeah. Um, and so I, I've been definitely like, I don't, th I think it's the least likely outcome of, of most of these, but I have been for the Cardinal signing one of these big shortstop free agents. My question is though, Dansby had a huge year and he's a big name. Everyone knows him. Great hair. Um, he will probably get a big contract and how much lower than Trey, Trey Turner. Will it be like, is if you're going to spend that sort of money, is it worth it to just go at the the high end and go for Trey Turner? Like, well, how big I, of a difference do you think those contracts will be? I think a lot. Um, cause I'm thinking Trey Turner's like 250 to 300. And I think Dansby's yeah. like 100 to 150. Um, because yeah, he had a big year last year, but if you, I mean, teams aren't teams, well, teams aren't stupid anymore. They are, they can be. Um, but I don't think they're going to overvalue what happened last year. Um, cause it was really his only standout offensive performance. Um, that's but fair. that being said, he took a big step forward on offense and defense. He, maybe he could, yeah. maybe people think that's going to stick, but I, I do think that Trey, a Trey is an MVP candidate. Dansby Swanson is a very good shortstop. It's it's yeah. to me it's they're not in the same category. That's fair. I, I guess I'm I'm likely overvaluing because yeah I know he's been um, inconsistent over his career, but he's also what 28. He's entering in. He just had a monster season. He's entering into yeah. peak. Like I would be surprised if he's not asking for. 200 or more you know yeah. um whether he gets it or not i don't know i guess sure. we'll see if well, you can I'm get swanson 200. yeah same um we have a new tier on our patreon it's 200 million dollars <laughs> uh, and we'll stop we'll stop we'll that stop. is the yeah, reward is that we will stop yeah, making this if you want to cancel this podcast um <laughs> pay us 200 million dollars yeah. uh what a deal um so I, if you can get Swanson for five one twenty or something like that, like oh, that'd yeah. be so sick, bro. <laughs> Why? Why are you doing that? Because <laughs> it would be sick. It would be sick. Uh, yeah. Also, uh, we'd have a hair replacement for Bader, which I think you know the fandom at large would appreciate. We we need that. We really yeah. do. Yeah. Um, we do, frankly we deserve it. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm for it. And then Wynn will find a spot because he's elite and maybe he'll move to the outfield as well or someone always gets hurt and he'll find yeah. a spot too. Yeah. Wynn so, does seem like that guy that you could put literally anywhere, even the pitching mound, and he'd be like, oh yeah, he's great. Yeah, I, I think he is probably one of the best athletes in the Cardinal organization right now. And yeah. they are just moving him into whatever is the most valuable spot. He was a pitcher and a shortstop. They shut it down to just shortstop. But I bet... 
he could be an elite center fielder as well. He, yeah. His arm is insane. So yeah. uh, put him anywhere. And that's why I think like he'll find a spot. Yeah. Um, Walker, it's a little more narrow. So I'm a little less like he pretty much is either corner outfield third or like or first, but um, or DH. So I'm, yeah. I'm less into blocking him than I am when. Um, but yeah, I mean, Dansby would be cool. Um, or just go sign Trey Turner. Well, uh, yeah, I would like to say that they should just go sign Trey Turner because I'm, you know, we're talking MVP and then we have three potential MVP candidates on the infield. Uh, and not to mention us, uh, uh, Tommy Snubman, who totally got screwed yeah. in all awards this he, year. Yeah. Um, really and, and by this very podcast, <laughs> we, didn't, <laughs> we didn't give him enough credit for the well, longest we time. Had, but. We had a forgive. We had a, we're sorry, Tommy Edmund episode yeah. in the middle of the season. Then we had a, maybe we shouldn't have been sorry, Tommy Edmund episode <laughs> when, when he started to struggle again. Yeah. And then we came back around. Oh, we're sorry, Tommy Edmund. Uh, yeah. So what a ride. Um, wow. I, wow. I guess uh, since we're off the rails, really down this shortstop conversation, I, I do want to hear your uh, your two cents on Xander, the Mander, uh, Bogarts, and I think it's pretty obvious he's going to be a free agent. The Red Sox are trying to tie up Rafael Devers. I think that uh, Xander is going to walk. What do you think? Do you sign him? What What are your What do you, do you? And I guess where you put him in that in the range in between those in Dansby and Trey. It's tricky because I I'm more confident in Xander's bat than I am Dansby because Xander has been good for a long time now. Yeah. And, but the Cardinals have prioritized infield defense, have built their pitching staff around prioritizing infield defense. And it's not that Xander has been bad. Um, at shortstop, but he definitely, I, I, I actually don't have the data to back this up, so I could be wrong here, but I, I would be, I'm pretty certain he's pretty well below like a Trey and Dansby at the shortstop position. And so I'd be worried about bringing him in and, you know, where he, how he ages and where his long-term position is, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to actually have him play second base and just have Edmund play shortstop because we know Edmund can play shortstop really well. But if you're looking to sign your like shortstop for the next five, six years, I'd be concerned about it being Xander, even though I think yeah. he is one of the better bats of that list. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. Him at second base makes I could I would be ecstatic about that. I think that would be fantastic. Um, and yeah, well, that's what everyone thought hitter. the Red Sox. That's what everyone thought the Red, Red Sox were going to do with that, that, because they signed Trevor Story, who's a better shortstop. But they, yeah. there's some sort of weird, not even weird. We all know it happens. So like, Xander's our starting shortstop. He's been there with us. He won a World Series with us. Like, he's the guy. Even though yeah. we have a better guy, like he's the guy. And they, and they did that and had Story play second base when like yeah. the optimal lineup would have been swap, swap, uh, swapping you, I, those two. I think Heim Bloom has done a bad job. I, I think like <laughs> the idea that you, you, what so essentially the timeline there happened is that he black, he didn't blackball. That's not the right word. Uh, lowballed, <laughs> lowballed Xander Bogarts. I think he <laughs> offered him like an $80 million extension. Xander said, no, they said, fine. They went out, gave, uh, uh, Trevor story, 140 million, which may have locked up Xander and then told, uh, Trevor that he's going to play out of position. He's going to play at a position that he's worse at. And like 
they they like took the leader of the team, made a deal that made no sense. Like the the way that that must have affected the clubhouse, and I'm not saying that's on field, but like if you're trying to retain Xander Bogarts, I just what what is he doing? And now that there are reports coming out that he's lowballing uh, Rafael Devers, who is an excellent hitter, um, yeah. like what? I I, 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 the, the Red Sox over the next three or four years are going to be interesting to watch because I do not think he is doing a good job. Well, they're, they might be looking at the Braves and completely misunderstanding what the Braves are doing with these <laughs> yeah. contracts for their yeah. young guys. You know, it's like, yeah, Devers has already established himself as like a near MVP caliber caliber player. That is not the time when you go and offer the you needed to do that two years ago when he first came up and, you know, had some early success extend him. You can't do it now. Yeah, it's too late. There's there's a a very real chance that they lose their best two players in the next year, year and a half or so. Um, And they've already lost Mookie for a dumb reason, I think, as well. Like they're they're becoming shell of themselves very quickly and it's going to yeah anyways I, I find it silly well speaking of other organizations falling apart we wouldn't be a good cardinal podcast if we didn't laugh for just a moment at the cubs reaction to uh arenado accepting the contract <laughs> <Yeah>. um <laughs> so yeah. let us let us all just take a moment and and laugh at um the the pain and anguish that came from at least cubs twitter um, you know, Twitter may be uh, descending into a hellhole, but at least we can see Cubs fans agony in real time. And uh, I, I had some good laughs over the weekend. Yeah, I think that that was as close to a meltdown as I've seen just a people questioning their various gods and, and wondering what's happening here and why, why the Cardinals, why the Cardinals. And uh, that feels good. Yep. All right, let's talk about these gold gloves. Yeah. Um, so let's start on the on the high note. Arenado, I want gold. Ten- <laughs> Ooh, I want the gold. Um, Austin Powers gold member, underrated yeah. movie. Underrated, bro. Underrated. The thing about the Austin Powers movies is that they're yeah. all funny as long as you haven't seen any of the other Austin Powers movies within like a couple of years because all three of them are the exact same movie with the exact same yeah. jokes. But if you've had time in between them, they're funny. Yeah. So I don't think I've anyway. watched an Austin power since high school. Um, well, you should watch them in reverse order. Sounds uh, incredible. Start with gold. Smoke at a pancake. I, re- I remember some of the quotes. <laughs> so just <laughs> even quoting do. it right now, I, I feel like an idiot. Like that's, so yeah, stupid. it's not the, there may be no more like, like that is our generation's like the only people that quote Austin Powers still right now are people who are exactly plus or minus like four years of our yeah. age. It's a very specific elder millennial so, group. Yeah. 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 So Woof. anyway, um, so back on the gold, I want the gold. I love the gold. Yeah. Nolan Arenado, 10 in a row. Uh, I mean, what an accomplishment. Uh, not even a question, right? I mean, I know there's some good third base yeah. defense out there, but like we continue to see it every. It's one of the most fun parts about being a Cardinal fan right now is watching Arenado's defense at third every day. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it's 
it, it, it is incredible. I think uh, I, I think that Nolan probably likes that he gets to play in front of 3.3 million fans and that roar when he makes a play. Yeah. And, and, you know, when we were kind of getting ready for the show and writing the outline and everything like that, I was thinking like, this was a pretty special year. Nolan had some spectacular plays. I think just really quick, the two plays that stick out the most in my mind is uh, the one that was the really high chopper in uh, the Diamondbacks game. And Nolan is rushing, grabs the ball out of the air, cho- you know, chopped in the air 20 feet or something like that. One hands the ball and throws it. He's basically at the pitcher's mound as hard as he can at Goldschmidt. There's no accuracy to that throw at all, but Goldschmidt just made the play. And you could see Nolan was kind of jogging away from the play, just cracking up him and Goldie made that. Yeah. Um, and I, I forget the context of this other play, um, but I, but I remember the play. It was a kind of a slow roller up the third baseline. Uh, Nolan dives, grabs it. There's a runner running from third to home. Kids, uh, Kisner is playing uh, catcher. He throws the ball kind of almost underhanded, but sidearmed. The ball basically like breaks around the runner's head and Kisner goes up high, gets it, falls down and gets the tag out. It's just like it is. It's not only his range and his arm, but he will just make plays that other people don't think about making. I his like yeah. I, I've already compared him to Yachty earlier in this episode. I do think even though they play different positions and they're different guys and everything like that, I do think their defensive like just the way that they can their situational awareness. That's the word the phrase yeah. I'm looking for. Like their ability to understand who's running, what the situation is, how important the out is, where the out is, what he can do with his arm strength and his natural skills. Um yeah, I don't know. It's just, I mean, yeah. it's just great. It's a treat. It's incredible. Um, I, I think about that first play you you described as well as like a real standout for me for the season. And if you remember, like a week later, they, he did almost the exact yeah. same thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was like a little less of a chop and just a little less dynamic than the first play. But for the most part, it was like the same thing. And yeah. it's like no one does that once, let alone twice. Um, and yeah, I mean, that that trio, it got a lot of fanfare when it was happening. And I think we'll remember it for a long time of uh, Arenado, Goldschmidt and Yachty uh, being maybe the three smartest defenders in baseball. Yeah. Uh, you know, all making crazy plays together. Ton of yeah. fun. And then uh, Brendan Donovan, welcome to the club. Wow. A uh, little, su- little surprising. Um, not because of how good he was, but really just that he got it over Edmund, which we'll talk about in a second, but I do want to focus on, on Donovan, which is, I mean, you know, if you remember going into the season, there was a lot of talk about Brendan Donovan. Everyone loves this kid. Everyone, you know, he's just one of those guys that once you see him, you're going to love him. Uh, he didn't break camp with the team, but you know, Marmol was like, it won't be long before you see him. And it wasn't long before we saw him and it wasn't long before we all fell in love with Brendan Donovan and absolutely deserves this. So even though we might say we were surprised and and maybe like Edmund should have gotten one of these, like uh, Donovan was fantastic. And I think um, this is exactly why you have that utility uh, gold glove. And it wouldn't surprise me if Donovan is, Donovan is a top contender for this award for the foreseeable future because he was great. He he was great, um, and I agree with what you're saying. I, I still think Tommy was the clear answer. I, I would love to hear. I, I think we, we kind of chatted about this in last week's ep, but like talking about the idea of like 
when you're talking about if if you're defining the role of a utility player or the role of a utility gold glove or however you're trying to define that utility moniker, like is the fact that he played every position outside of catcher and center field, is that where the the value is coming from rather than playing two positions at an extremely high level? And I think that that's yeah. looking at the voting. I think that's what it came down to, because that's I mean, clearly, I, I don't think it's arguable that Tommy Edmond is a better defender than Brendan uh, Donovan. No, I, and I think that. Um, I have to assume there was some splitting of Edmonds votes. Some people voted yeah. for him at second base. Some people voted for him at utility and everyone who voted for Donovan voted for him in the one spot that they could. So I would yeah. guess that, um, and I assume that, I don't know if this has all been released yet, but I, I assume it will be, and we'll be able to see that. Like I bet Edmund received more overall votes for gold glove than Brendan Donovan did, but he was split between the two spots and yeah. that'll be something that I think will start to be resolved over time as the voters get more comfortable with voting for a utility role and also all the infield positions. I think Edmund, if there was more of an expectation about what you do in those sorts of situations, yeah. like if a guy has a primary uh, spot vote for him there, even if he also ends up in the utility camp, and I think it would be fair to say Edmund did have a primary spot, even if he played other places. Yeah. Uh, whereas Donovan did not have a primary spot. I mean, he mostly played second, at least the most out of all of them, but he was all over the place. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and just like, uh, you know, according to fan graphs, uh, defensive war, um, which, you know, take that for whatever you want. Defensive metrics are, are squishy and, and, and not perfect. Um, but worth noting, he was the fourth most valuable player in baseball yeah. defensively. Um, so, you know, just, yeah. it, he should have won. It's yeah, that's, that's all. I don't mean to take away from anyone else. That's just the truth. Yeah. Well, he should have won second base and it's fine that Donovan yeah. won utility, you know, yeah. but um, it's cool for Donovan first rookie ever uh, for the St. Louis Cardinals to win a gold glove. And, Hell yeah. Um, yeah. So a um, couple other notes that we wanted to get to before we go to the break. Um, it's official. Yachty and Pujols have retired. It's done. They've signed the paperwork. It's yeah. done. You know, I, there are a lot of people, a lot of questions, like Yachty, everyone knew was done, but everyone kept yeah. being like, Pujols, are you actually coming back? And no, he's done. He signed yeah. the paperwork. Uh, Wayno has announced that this is his last year, which was yeah. a little bit of a surprise because I don't think he's going to go back on it. I thought he would pitch until he's 45. Um, but see. he's, I know, right. But he's saying he's done. And then uh, uh, Kramer Robertson, and Cody Whitley were released. So quite the yeah. ride for Kramer Robertson. He's been released <laughs> by the Cardinals twice in this year. And um, Cody Whitley, it's a bummer. You know, he, yeah. there was a there was a there was a a point where Cody Whitley looked like the next uh, Helsley or yeah. or Hicks or whatever, but it just never really clicked and came together for him. So hopefully he no, can he's find success somewhere else. Yeah. He's going to close out like 28 games for the angels next year or something like that. Yeah, I'm going to call it now. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I expect we'll see more of that over the, over the coming weeks. Um, there's a lot of question marks around who the Cardinals will tender and non tender. Uh, I think Alex Reyes is the big one that I'm really, really anxious to see what they do with Ooh. him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I don't even know if I have an opinion on that because I honestly I, I get both sides. 
I know. I just I just want to know what they decide to do. I, I kind of would support either direction. So um, so, yeah, we've, of course, have a lot more to talk about. We're going to talk about the the World Series and some other things happening around the league. But before we do that, um, we want to remind everybody that this show is supported on Patreon. If you like the show, want to support the show, um, you know, we we work really hard on this. It might not seem like that uh, most of the time. <laughs> Um, but we do and, <laughs> and we, uh, we really try to bring you something good that you'll enjoy. And if you are consider supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash talking about birds, uh, subscribers at any level, get access to our private bird scored. That's the discord server where we're talking 24 seven about baseball. Uh, Hey, are you concerned about what's, what's going to happen with Twitter and where it's going? Well, We've got an off ramp for you. Come into the bird scored. Come yeah. and hang out with us. Good people talking about baseball and none of the other stuff. Well, there's sometimes other stuff, but it's even dumber than what we get into <laughs> on this show. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's just like a big group chat with, uh, you know, a yeah. bunch of weirdos. Yep. So get in there. We, and those that are in there, shout out to the bird scored and, uh, anyone, and anyone considering joining it, we really appreciate it. Otherwise, consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcast platform. It also helps. Uh, ben, where can people find us online? Yeah, make sure to follow us on Twitter at TalkAboutBirds. Um, again, if you have any thoughts on baseball movies, hit us up there. Um, let's get that conversation going. You can follow us on Instagram at TalkingAboutBirds. Uh, and, of course, you could email us any thoughts, questions, musings, uh, insults to TalkAboutBirds at gmail.com. I will say Nate's birthday is very, very close. Actually, Nate's birthday is the day this episode comes out, isn't it? Wow. So send Nate some birthday wishes, uh, some smooches. Um, I don't know, maybe a a letter filled with a fine white powder, whatever you want to send them. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Cocaine? (laughs) Sure. Yeah, that actually sounds better than what I was thinking. For Nate's birthday, I hope you murder him with poison. Thank you. What are you going to be? Uh, what is it? How old? <laughs> You're asking like a Halloween. Uh, what are you, you going to be for your birthday? Yeah, what um, are you going to be for a, your birthday? A T-Rex, just like I was for Halloween. Did, were you a T-Rex for Halloween? Yes. Is that because your short little arms? Let's see. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the only time I feel really <laughs> comfortable in my okay. own body. Mm-hmm. feel like feel wow. representative. Really peeling uh, no, back the I, onion. I will be the big three, five. Oh, wow. Yep. Gross. Eight years old. Three plus five. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> so thanks. Um, all right. Let's talk about the World Series. We just had game three. Game four is tonight. And hey. Wow. It's been a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's I think a it's been a good one for everyone except one. for Texas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I think, it, I think it's been fantastic. I think, um, I mean, the Phillies are who we thought they were like the, the pitching hasn't really showed up super well, except for game three, where, uh, I, we were talking about this in the bird score. Now, I, I'm not the first one to say this. Somebody on Twitter said it, but, uh, Dusty Baker managed that game. Like it was a, a Tuesday game in July, um, which I thought was obvious and strange the way in which he handled Lance McCullers was objectively bad um I know that there was the narrative going around about Bryce Harper reading a tell um on Lance McCullers and there was some John Boy had a great little comparison video and if you look 
it's pretty obvious when he's throwing the bat fastball, his leg kick is a little lower and his glove is a little lower and he's throwing anything else. They both go higher. And I am not somebody who notices things like that. And, and obviously John boy made it really easy for us to see, but like, how is somebody in the Houston organization, a team that is fantastic at uh, watching replays and video and relaying that quickly to uh, their team in real time. How are they not picking up on their own issue there? Or, or how is I, 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 and actually I'll take a step back. Even if you're not, when your pitcher is getting rocked by the entire lineup like that, like, I, I don't really understand what dusty was doing yeah. leave him out there. Like to just like saving the bullpen in a world series game is not really a thing, especially after a rainout game where your guys should be, two days off yeah. they should be all fresh I, I i would love to hear more of what he was thinking there yeah i truly don't know is very surprising as well um you know he's been a manager for a long time and and actually one of the things i enjoyed about the the lead up to this world series the press was just how much love dusty baker was getting we yeah. cardinal fans have a particular angle on dusty baker which yeah. is always very funny we remember him from his times with the Reds and the rivalry and like right. there may be Cardinal fans out there that have a negative perspective on Dusty Baker because of those times. And that's fine. That's part of baseball and part of rivalry. Yeah. But like taking a step back, like, you know, objectively, Dusty Baker is one of the most important figures of the last like 50 years of baseball. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty incredible what he's managed to accomplish. And then unfortunately, like now, you know, like right now, one of the narratives coming out of this is how bad Dusty Baker has been doing, yeah. which falls right in line with our Cardinal fan remembrance of Dusty Baker as a manager. But um, I mean, but that's, that's the thing with management in, in high tense playoff games. I mean, remember yeah. Ali Marmol, we left the season and like 99% of Cardinal fans were like, Ali Marmol should win manager of the year, two games against the Phillies. And you have a, a percentage of the fan base calling for him to be fired. You know? Yeah. So yeah. Be, there are also, people, People talking about Ali Marmal taking uh, Wayno, Yachty, and Pujols off the field at the same time, like it's the best thing that's ever happened in the sport. And then 48 yeah. hours after the fact, you know, kill this guy. Yeah. He needs to be yeah, ripped out. Be, yeah. What are he we needs doing? To be fired. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously that, like, it feels like at this point, it's sort of standard operating procedure in playoffs, let alone the World Series, to pull your starter like the moment shit starts to go down. Yeah. And it, <laughs> It was going down immediately for yeah. for McCullers. So, uh, yeah, it was very surprising. Yeah, and I, and I think to that point, like uh, Rob Thompson, you know, obviously new manager, first time manager. He managed like 30 or 40 games before he got here. Maybe a little more than that. I think I'm being hyperbolic. But what I thought was interesting for Rob Thompson, game one, um, you know, the, the Phillies were down. Uh, they pull out their starter and then they bring in Jose Alvarado, arguably their best reliever to go up against the heart of pardon me, part of the uh, Houston order, um, Gordon and um, uh, right third baseman. And, and uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Tucker, who was being called King Tuck. Did you know that? Is that that's the nickname, King Tuck? <laughs> I'm, just hear, I'm just hearing it also. So, so stupid. It's pretty, yeah. Oh, I hated it. Uh, I think that's, a, they're wearing crowns. Why? Why? He's the king. Of what? Tuck. <laughs> okay um so i thought that was pretty I, just, I, I don't know i don't get it either but yeah. i like it I, I liked how rob thompson was being aggressive and bringing in that guy in lockdown and then the phillies eventually came back with that crazy real muto home run um so i, I think that's really interesting that's definitely gonna what i'm gonna be watching tonight 
going into game four is like how quick is Dusty going to be, especially, you know, if, if the Phillies do start hitting bombs early, what is that all going to look like? Um, but it's like, Dusty, you have the best bullpen in baseball in arguably use them like Ryan right. Stanek. We talked about this is your worst reliever and he'd be like a closer on half the teams in baseball. He had a one seven ERA with a billion strikeouts. Like just go yeah. use your guys. But uh, uh, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Um, another thing I wanted to bring up about the World Series was that Aledmi's Diaz. I don't know if you're watching this in real time or not, but the Aledmi's Diaz no. uh, hit by pitch that got pulled back. Are you familiar with that? Yes. Yeah, I was not able to watch um, all of this game, but I, I definitely followed it after the fact. Um, the fact that that actually got called in a situation where it could not have mattered more, I thought was amazing. Like, I, I think I can think of one other time where I can remember somebody getting hit intentionally and the umpire calling it rather than just allowing them to have first base. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is, um, you know, I, at least I know I am particularly a big proponent of robot umpires, but I would say that like, I don't want full replacement. I think there's, there will always be a need for, uh, umps on the field that are humans making judgment calls and like this is even though it's rare like this yeah. is one of them right yeah you need someone there to be like no nah, come back buddy like we all <laughs> saw what you did there right yeah. so um yeah i i thought it was it was brave and it was right and it was just I, god <laughs> all right <laughs> i don't want to touch any of that <laughs> uh at the end of that game um i think this has been my favorite part of the world series so far was nick castellanos comes down and he's getting interviewed uh, by one of the sideline reporters and on national television, he admits that he has a really hard time staying focused in the outfield during the regular season, but he finds that it's easy to stay focused during the playoffs. He's locked in on every pitch. Um, and, and like, you know, he's made three incredible plays in three weeks ish, two and a half weeks, somewhere around there. And, uh, Maybe this is the kind of security the big, you know, 80 million or whatever, $100 million contract gives you where you just can say that on national TV. You already secured the <laughs> yeah. bag. But like, really, guy, you're just going to sit there and like. And also, then he, it's he, not like it's not like he's played like 100 playoff games. And right. like, you know, he's that's all he can live for at this point, And he's just playing for the postseason. Yeah. And like, no. Yeah. I mean, how many times has he even been in the playoffs? You know, he, so. <laughs> Yeah, he, it's very he funny. followed that up in another interview saying that he's like, oh, yeah, sometimes I'm, you know, thinking about my wife or my kids or my mom or, you know, something like that. Just like I, I, uh, I, yeah. I, I cannot identify with that. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I do not understand how you could get, be paid that much money just to kind of like kick the grass. But anyways, I, I think I about thought, your mom. Yeah, at least he was being, you know, honest in an interview. I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. Very funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there's been some good storylines already in this, yeah. uh, in this world series. Um, anything else you want to talk about before we go to the next? Yeah. Yeah. A couple of quick other things from the uh, world series. Pat Hoberg officiated a perfect game according to Ump scorecard. Um, I yeah, just thought that incredible. was amazing. That like never ever happens. Um, and if you're not familiar with um, scorecard, it's this, uh, this guy on Twitter who basically has an algorithm and it spits out a scorecard and it shows you, you know, how accurate a game was called and Pat Hoberg, perfect game, a hundred percent accuracy. I think he called 127 pitches correctly or something like that. Um, well, you know, it's hard to focus in anything. It's hard to focus. 
you know, in the in the playoffs. So yeah, and you know, who needs robot umpires when you have Pat Hoberg? True. Just um, we need okay, so we need either robots or cloning. There we go. So I guess I don't really care which one. Um, and then one one last thing I want to note: Kyle Schwarber, who has a bad knee and is a big boy, uh, was the first player to steal a base, giving America free tacos in the World Series. And I just thought that that was amazing. Like he's put. I'd like to think people. I'd like to think that yeah, he was like, I'm going for this taco. It wasn't. It wasn't about the game. He just wanted to be the guy in the Taco Bell commercials for the next year. I mean, this is another off or postseason of Kyle Schwarber. You know, people love it on Kyle Schwarber. So, how, how uh, do you not? Yeah, he's putting, he's feeding the people. Should be a cardinal. Yep. Um, all right. So, uh, yeah, cool, great uh, World Series so far. Underdogs winning, which we all enjoy. Um, and yeah, so we'll we'll it'll all be done by next week. Yeah. So. Uh, I guess go Phillies, um, which is something I don't yeah. want to say again for a long time. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's talk about some more stuff going on a- around the league. Uh, what do you want to talk about first? Uh, yeah, well, you know, kind of in line with the conversation we were just having, uh, ball and strike challenges have been happening in the Arizona Fall League this season uh, or this AFL and uh, I think that that is probably my desired way forward is that, you know, the team gets X number of challenges. They can challenge balls and strikes. And, um, you know, if you've paid attention to the AFL this year or this se- uh, season at all, it's super duper quick. So basically you can say, check it. Um, either the manager or the batter can say it. They check it. It's almost immediate. They send that down to the ump and the ump corrects the call if it needs to be corrected. Um, that would be my desired way forward. I really like the pitcher. Petcher- Kitch- <laughs> pitcher, catcher, umpire, metagaming that happens. I like that Jose Trevino is highly valued, valued because he can kind of make the system a little more malleable. And I also like that it means that like huge calls in big situations are preserved. It kind of, I think it kind of is best of both worlds. So be really curious to see if that comes to the MLB anytime soon. Um, that that that's my desired path forward. I think it's pretty cool how it's, it seems to be working out in the AFL, and I guess we'll see. Yeah, I'm a little torn on it. Just like there's kind of a mixed message to me between like you can't argue balls and strikes, but now you can challenge them. So like, where's the line there? But um, yeah. you know, I, I think absolutely if this is even just like the middle ground between getting to full robots, like it, it seems like a clear improvement to me as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, moving on from that, the White Sox have finally, uh, or they've landed on a uh, manager, Pedro Grillfoil. Grillfoil, jeez, is uh, is going to be their new manager going forward. He's the former Royals bench coach, which is interesting because the Royals just hired a former coach from the Rays system. His name is Matt Quattaro. Um, so that is kind of you know interesting. I, I believe all of the managerial positions are filled up. Um, and it's nice. No Mike Schilt. It, it's interesting to get some new new blood in it, um, which I think will be yeah. interesting. And I, uh, while I think the Royals are far away, I'm curious to see what uh, Pedro does for the White Sox because I think that you know they're one of those teams that I would say they could have a huge jump next year. And I don't think the manager is yeah. solely responsible, but obviously TLR wasn't doing any favors <laughs> this year. It wasn't connect. He wasn't connecting with the youth. No. Um. Yeah. 
And uh, last note I wanted to hit on, um, and, and then we can uh, move on, MLB gross revenues approaching $11 billion a season, close to 2019 levels. And the only reason I wanted to bring that up is because no more belly aching from the owners. Your money's back. You know, we were talking about the Cardinals bringing 3.3 million people in this year. Like, the the DeWitt should spend. People showed up. That yeah. is how this is, relationship is supposed to work. And uh, obviously, that's MLB on the whole. But I'd like to see manager or uh, owners and ownership groups kind of shut the hell up and and just, you know, put put good products on the field so that fans will continue to show up. Yeah, absolutely. And and, you know, it should indicate like there wasn't a major problem with the game, uh, you know, that like the, the attendance wasn't dropping because of the game or because games are going too long or whatever. It was strictly the uh pandemic you know that right. whole thing that we dealt with um so maybe this will slow down some of the sort of hand wringing coming from manfred and and the group but probably not but still it's it's nice to see it returning to what it was agreed um, yeah so all right uh well that'll do it for the uh information section of the of the podcast and now we're going to go into <laughs> the ending we're going to do a segment here um been the last 10 years of Cardinals have had a lot of ups and downs, a lot of interesting moments, and a lot of key players have come through the season or come through uh, this team. I'm interested to see how well do you remember the last 10 years of St. Louis Cardinal history and the players that led the way <laughs> in another edition of Who Charted? Who Charted? Not sure how much I remember prior to 2020, and I think my brain got wiped. Well, we did 2019 on this same game not that long ago, and it yeah. you did okay. Yeah, um, but I've I've gotten you a couple times with who is this guy uh, recently, so I thought I'd yeah. go a, a little more broadly this time. So I I wept you, after the record. I know it was great. Um, you like that? Yeah. Um, uh, exert my dominance <laughs> by by picking players. <laughs> That's strange. All right, so who charted? I am looking at the Fangraphs page for the last ten years of St. Louis Cardinals. Okay, so. That's starting with the 2013 season and going all the way through the 2022 season. Ten wow. years of baseball. Wow. Uh, we are going to be looking at top five in Fangraphs War on the batting category and the pitching category. Wow. So this is cumulative okay. of the last 10 years. Who is yeah. top five? I'll let you pick what category you want to do first. Oh, okay. Okay. I was like, is this at bats, home runs? What what no, it's I'm sorry. Uh, combined um, F war. Oh, okay. So offensive and pitching, or just com total F war against pitching war, or uh, yes. and pitching war. Sorry, two separate things. Yeah, like total war for a the position player, and then total okay. war for the uh, pitching player. So okay. do you want to go with batting or pitching first? Uh, like position start, player or pitcher? Yeah, first. yeah. Let's start position player first. Um, okay. I think I, uh, you know, I don't know this. We'll, we'll see how this goes. Um, 
first name I got to throw out there is my best friend, Yadier Molina. Yes, obviously, Yadi is number two on this list ooh, at ooh, ooh. 24.8 F4 yeah. in the last 10 years. Wow. Wow. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. Like, the team's kind of new right now. Um, this covers most, a good chunk of his years, and I'm going to guess he's top five because he was so good. Give me Matthew Holiday, please. Matt Holiday is not in the top 10. Oh, wow. I figured he would have. So, I know he, he left well, in the middle of that, but I figured he would have yeah. made a dent. So okay. he had 480 games in that time period. Oh, okay. That's less than I would have guessed. Yeah. And he had 8.6 war. So, wow. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I will go with another Matt. Matt Carpenter. Number one with a bullet. Go. Let's go. 29.2 F4. I think that my next guest will be Colton Wong. He had some really nice years in there. Good guess. This was yeah. one that I wasn't sure you would get. Number four, yeah. Colton Wong with 14.4 F4. Um, I should say, I, I forgot to say at the beginning, uh, three strikes and you're out. So you're at yeah. one strike right now. Okay. Um, but you have gotten uh, one, two, and four. One, two, and four. Wowie, wowie, wee wow. Um, 14.4. I mean, Goldie couldn't be that productive that quickly. Uh, interesting. So there's, you said Matt Holiday had like eight and was not in the top. 10 but colton wong at 14 so the, i mean the variance isn't that big yeah there's a bunch um, of i mean obviously you know every player on this list but yeah. there's a lot of guys on here that like are all bunched up together yeah um who else i mean i i, I feel paul goldschmidt's so productive i feel like he's probably on this list i'm gonna say paul goldschmidt yep number three paul yeah. goldschmidt 17.9 man they so should it, so resign it him yeah, so it is interesting. He has 528 games as a Cardinal in that time yeah. period. And Matt Holiday had, what I say? Um, 480 something. Yeah, four, 480. Yeah. So, um, you know, for the last 10 years, Matt Holiday was on the Cardinals almost as long as, as Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah. But different time, um, different ages, of course. Right. This this was Matt Holiday's like 34 to 30 eight years or whatever and this was you know essentially prime prime right. goldie so um i'm going to say i th i think that harrison bader has probably cracked that he had a couple of really solid years so that's gonna be a strike yeah but he is number six Ooh, so okay. uh you are as close as you can be while still being wrong harrison bader 12 war uh, in this time period. I don't like what I'm going to guess next, but I'm just trying <laughs> to think of guys who have spent time, who have accrued some war, who have proved value. And I'm guessing he's slightly more valuable than Bader. It's Paul DeYoung, number five. Paul DeYoung is not number five. Okay. Now, he, you, your thought process is pretty good. Uh, of the top ten um, he is 
fourth in overall games played. Yeah. Um, but uh, he has a 9.2 F ward. He is number nine. Yeah. Damn. So that's three strikes. You're out. Right. Uh, the one you were missing. Surprising, but it makes sense. Tommy Edmond, number five. <laughs> <laughs> With a uh, thir- oh, God. Thir- Tommy Snubbin thir- just getting it yep, left and again, right. Oh. He, he cannot, he's forgettable, just like I said at the beginning. Man. Um, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, see, uh, he's at 13.2. So Yikes. I'll just run down the list. Uh, top 10, Matt Carpenter, Yadier Molina, Paul Goldschmidt, Colton Wong, Tommy Edmond, Harrison Bader, Nolan Arenado, Tommy Pham, Paul DeYoung, and then Tyler O'Neill. Um, right. Wow. Yep. Wow. Uh, all right. Let's go on to pitching. I got top I got one five. with a bullet. Yeah, this this one's yeah. I think this one's easy. Give me Adam Wainwright, number one. Number one, twenty six point yeah. four. Wow! And I will tell you, not surprising. Yeah, pretty big gap between him and number two and everyone else. Sure. So. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Number two. I want to say Miles, but he's been so injured. But he's been here for a minute. Um. Ah. Uh, hmm. Uh, yeah, I'll say Miles. Yeah, number five. Yeah. Uh, 9.9 F4. So, uh, you know, almost a third as much as Wayne. Huge gap. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, that gap makes me think that Jack Flaherty is probably also in the top five. You are once again as close as you can be while still being wrong. Jack Flaherty is number six at 8.4. Con Flabbit. Um, Here's something interesting, okay. though. Uh, okay. Jack Flaherty has pitched 100 less innings than Miles Michaelis. Yeah. But if you had asked me that, like, how many innings less uh, has Jack Flaherty pitched than Miles Michaelis, I would have probably said, like, 300. Yeah. You know? So. Huh. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I guess they both missed significant time. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Let's... I don't feel confident about this answer, but let's say Carlos Martinez. I was wondering if you were going to get that. He's actually number two. Wow. Wow. That's Carlos Martinez. the Cardinals pitching development right there. <laughs> well, it also speaks a little bit to just the, um, the, the peak and hype of Carlos Martinez and then like the downfall, you know, yeah. it, it, he, he remember he was young Pedro. Like oh, he, yeah. he looked like he was the, the guy. Future yeah, so uh, fourteen point nine F four. Wow. I mean, almost almost a thousand innings. That is not bad. Um, okay, fourteen. Wow, that's higher than I expected. Um, so you still need three and four from the list. Yeah, yeah. I don't feel good about this one either. I'm going to say Dak Hud. He's been around, kind of. No, no. swing and a miss. Uh, he is down at number thirteen. Okay. With 2.7. Okay. You've got, you've got one more, and I will tell you, you will be pissed if you don't get a – there's one guy on here that is, is is a clear one, and then we'll see if you get the other one. One guy that's a clear one. Yeah. How many strikes do I have left? One more strike. One more strike. And what was the year is 12 to now? 
13 to 13 now. To now. 10 mm. seasons. I'm so I've I've got the guys that are like closer to contemporary. I think I'm trying to think back like who was pitching with Carmar. Um mm-hmm. and two names ex- are coming to my that head. That's exactly what you should be thinking. Yes, I have two names that are coming to my head. I don't know which one to say first though. Um, just to keep the listener in my er, uh, along with my brain, what so what I'm thinking right now, and I don't want to lose this, is that Lance Lynn was very good, but wasn't there very deep into this ten year window, and I cannot remember for the life of me how much Michael Waka pitched in this window. Um, and I'm trying to read Nate's glasses, and I can't see anything. I am going to <laughs> you go. son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I'm going to say. I'll go with Lance over Waka. Give me Lance Lynn. So Lance Lynn was the one that I was thinking you would be pissed if you didn't. Okay. Get. Yeah. Um, so yes, he's number three. All right. Uh, at 11.1. Okay. Uh, F4. 767 innings. So wow. okay. he is, but he is uh, the only person that he had more innings than on this, on the top five was Miles. Everyone else has more innings than him. Yeah. Um, man, I wish we still had Lance Lynn. Um, same. Well, my, my next guest has to be Waka. Waka Waka. Ben, you got it. Let's Michael go. Waka. Yeah. Number four, uh, 10.8. So yeah, Woo. you got all five of them. So, right. uh, you were, you, you struck out on the hitters, um, but you got all the pitchers. So, uh, a much narrower field, but I'll give you, uh, I'll give you the top 10 here. Um, yeah. You can see how quickly this starts to, you know, fall apart. Uh, Wayno, Carmar, Lance Lynn, Waka Waka, Miles Michaelis, Jack Flaherty, Trevor Rosenthal, Giovanni Gallegos, Jaime Garcia, and yeah. then Mike Leak. Jamie Garcia, you mean? Ja- Sorry, Jamie Garcia. Thank you. Right under that was John John Lackey, Luke yeah. Weaver, Dak Hud, Shelby Miller. Okay. Sungwon my, Oh, we're getting down into the single digit <laughs> wars here. <laughs> my, Mike Leak did cross my mind, but uh, in a way that made me angry. Yeah, I mean, 4.2 war over 330 innings. Actually, not bad. This was yeah. his last two years. He was OK. If you remember, he really struggled. And then he had a couple good seasons. And that's why the Cardinals were able to trade him. Yeah. Uh, what to the Mariners, I think. Mariners um, and then the Mariners ended up trading him to Diamondbacks, and I think that's how they got Mitch Haniger. So there's some some, yeah. some some weirdness around that, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that was another edition of Who Charted. Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. It's hard yeah. to remember anything, let alone 10 years of baseball. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> I did fine, I thought. You did fine. Yeah. Sure. Um, wow. All right. So that'll do it for this episode. Thank you all, as always, for joining. Again, check out the Patreon and shout out to our patrons. We'll be back next week as we continue our descent into madness that will be this off season in these podcasts. So uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Um, We'll be watching the World Series and we hope you all have a fantastic week. We'll see you next week. Uh, Let's go cards and a little bit. Let's go Bryce.
Maybe you can be professional this time. Wow. All right, let me try. Ah! <laughs> Not surprised that that is what you think <laughs> professional is. <laughs> Stupid <laughs> joke. All right.